0: Hello, this is Ayan from newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Sunday, the 17th of May. Listeners, before I begin, I would like to inform you that the audio quality may not be up to the mark since we at News Laundry are recording all our podcasts from home. Do bear with us while we do our best to keep you updated. The number of novel coronavirus cases climbed to 90,927 in India till 8 o'clock this morning. According to data put out by the Union Health Ministry, this included a death toll of 2,872. The number of active COVID-19 cases stood at 53,946, while 34,108 people have been cured and discharged, and one patient has migrated so far. The total number of cases include 111 foreign nationals. Finance Minister Nirmala Sitharaman today announced the fifth and last trench of the Rs. 20 lakh crore COVID-19 packages as part of the Atmanirbhar Bharat Abhiyan. Today's announcements were focused on eight areas, namely Manrega, Health, Education, Business, Decriminalization of Companies Act, Ease of Doing Business, Public Sector Enterprises and Resources to State Governments. Accordingly, the centre has decided to provide an additional Rs 40,000 crore for Manrega workers, which is over and above this year's budget estimate amount of Rs 61,500 crore. Increasing the government's expenditure on public health care, Sitharaman said that all districts will now have an infectious diseases block and public health labs will be set up at all block levels. On the steps taken for the education sector, the finance minister said the direct telecast mode used by schools will now get 12 more channels. This will also help in rural areas. The minister added that provision has been made for live telecast of teaching contents and the government has also tied up with private operators such as Tata Sky to air educational content. In an attempt to provide relief to the private sector, Sitharaman said that debts related to the COVID crisis shall be excluded from default under the Insolvency and Bankruptcy Code. No fresh insolvency proceedings will be made for a year. For micro-, small-, and medium enterprises, a special insolvency framework will be notified under Section 42A of IBC. The minimum threshold has now been increased from Rs. 1 lakh to Rs. 1 crore. Sitaraman further said that the government is trying to decriminalize most of the sections under the Companies Act. She added that compoundable offenses can now be tried under internal adjudicating mechanisms. Speaking on the revenue drops across states and the centers' support to them so far, The finance minister informed that the Reserve Bank of India has increased the borrowing limit for the states by 60%. Dear listeners, the announcements made by the finance minister once again reaffirm the fact that we are staring at an unprecedented economic crisis due to the COVID-19 pandemic. While the extent of the crisis will depend on how long the pandemic continues, we at News Laundry have come up with a series of stories that try to assess and analyze the post-COVID economic situation in India. Vivek Kall, one of the country's leading writers on economic issues, is the author of the series and two of these articles have already come up on our website. This is an NL Sena project, which means you have an opportunity to directly contribute to it. So go to our website and support the project by making a donation. More stories from the series will come up soon. India will enter into the fourth phase of the lockdown from May 18, but with a different set of rules and guidelines as announced by Prime Minister Narendra Modi during his address to the nation on May 11. With the third phase of the nationwide lockdown slated to end today, the centre is considering a more relaxed strategy going ahead. However, to contain the spread of the virus, some states have decided to continue significant curbs. Maharashtra and Tamil Nadu today extended the lockdown till May 31. Both Mizoram and Punjab have already extended the restrictions till May 31, while Telangana has announced curbs till May 29. On the other hand, some other states like Delhi, Haryana and Karnataka have suggested a gradual easing of restrictions with an eye to revive the economy. Till Sunday morning, the case count in Maharashtra, the worst affected state in the country, stood at 30,706 with a death toll of 1,135. The state reported 1,606 fresh cases and 67 deaths in the last 24 hours. Amid the worsening situation, the western state has released over 7,200 prisoners so far to check overcrowding in jails. Officials on Sunday said that around 10,000 more inmates will be released shortly. The state prisons department has released the prisoners across the state on either temporary bail or parole. In Maharashtra, Pune has emerged as a major hotspot of COVID-19. It was also one of the earliest hotspots in the entire country. To understand how cases went up in the district within a short period of time, do lead a detailed ground report on the issue on the News Laundry website by our correspondent Pratik Goel. Pratik explains the trajectory of the outbreak from the first case onward and also tells us about the arrangements the administration has made to tackle the crisis. But listeners, Ground reports like these require a good amount of resources and time. Throughout the COVID crisis, we have constantly tried to bring you reports on migrants' hardships, government's mismanagement and restrictions on media personnel while doing their work. And we have been able to do so only because of your support. As an independent media organization, we at News Laundry do not take any advertisement from either the government or any corporation. Our work relies solely on the subscriptions of our listeners, viewers and readers. This is because we believe when the advertisers pay, the advertisers are served. But when the public pays, the public is served. We have different subscription packages, the lowest one starting at 300 rupees a month. So if you are listening to this and haven't subscribed yet, please go to our website, hit the subscribe button and tell others to do that as well. Pay to keep news free and we will continue to bring you a lot more reports like these. Coming back to news, following Maharashtra, Gujarat's case tally almost touched 11,000 on Sunday morning. As per the Union Health Ministry data, a total of 10,988 cases have been confirmed in the state, of which 625 people have died due to COVID-19. In South, Tamil Nadu has seen a spike in cases over the last few days. The number stood at 10,585. However, the state's death rate has been relatively lower. 74 people have succumbed to the virus till now. Delhi reported 19 fresh coronavirus deaths and 422 new infections in the last 24 hours, taking the total to 148 deaths and 9,755 cases till this morning. In its highest single-day spike till date, the Union Territory of Jammu and Kashmir reported 108 COVID-19 positive cases on Saturday. This came at a time when people from different parts of the country returned to their home in the Union Territory. While 22 new cases were reported from Jammu, 86 cases were reported from the Kashmir Valley, including 12 pregnant women. Kashmir also reported one death due to the infection, taking the novel coronavirus toll in the Union Territory to 12. The Orisha government has started training sessions for migrants returning to the state in order to groom them into community health workers. The sessions are being conducted at panchayat-level quarantine centers, where the migrants require to stay for a while following their return. The state government is also offering an honorarium of Rs. 150 per day for those at the quarantine centers who want to contribute in daily work. In the second phase of the Vande Bharat repatriation mission, more than 580 Indian citizens stranded in Maldives due to the COVID-19 pandemic arrived in Kochi at 11.30 a.m. today. The repatriation was carried out by the Indian Navy ship INS Jalashwa under the Operation Samudra Setu. This is the third naval ship operated as part of the Vande Bharat mission to the city. On May 10, the vessel had brought home 698 Indian nationals from Maldives. Two days later, another navy ship, INS Mughal, had evacuated 202 Indian citizens from Maldives to Kochi. Let's move on to some international updates on the coronavirus. According to the Johns Hopkins University tracker, the number of coronavirus cases in the world stood at 46,48,785 at 2 p.m. Indian Standard Time today. The highest tally has continued to be reported from the United States with a total of nearly 1.5 million cases. The global death count has exceeded 3,12,000 with the U.S. alone accounting for more than 88,000 deaths. Russia has now surpassed all other countries in the total number of coronavirus cases. The Johns Hopkins University put it at above 2,81,000 till this afternoon. However, the country's official fatality figure has been remarkably low, which has caught experts by surprise. With a little over 2,600 deaths, the country's death rate stands at only 0.9%, which is far below the global average and the lowest among nations with the highest numbers of infections. The World Health Organization has said that it is in talks with Russia about the country's statistics for coronavirus deaths. Similarly, Brazil's confirmed cases of COVID-19 have also left Spain and Italy behind, which were once the epicentre of the pandemic. Brazil's outbreak is now the fourth largest in the world, with number of cases exceeding 2,33,000. The country has reported close to 16,000 deaths so far. The development is likely to put pressure on President Bolsonaro, who lost his second health minister from service in a month on Friday, as it defies public health experts and calls for widespread use of unproven drugs. In terms of death figures, however, the situation in Western Europe has remained adverse. The United Kingdom has reported more than 34,000 deaths. Italy has reported nearly 32,000 deaths due to the pandemic. Italian Prime Minister Giuseppe Conte has said that his country is taking an unavoidable calculated risk as it prepares to further ease a two-month lockdown on Monday by opening businesses and granting citizens more freedom. Businesses, including shops, bars, restaurants and barbers, can open on a regional basis and Italians will be able to move within their own region from Monday onward. Italy will unlock its borders and allow citizens to move across the country starting June three. The death tolls in both France and Spain have crossed 27,000 so far. Given the worrying situation, Spanish Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez said that his government will seek permission from Congress to extend the state of emergency for a fifth time to combat the coronavirus outbreak. The Prime Minister said he would call for an extension of about a month and hoped it would be the last time as Spain begins a gradual easing of restrictions on movement. Regions of Spain less affected by the COVID-19 outbreak may have the state of emergency lifted earlier than the other areas. South Korea has reported 13 new cases of the coronavirus over a 24-hour period. The development has raised hopes that a new outbreak linked to nightclubs in capital Seoul may be declining. After weeks of a slowdown of new cases, South Korea's daily jump marked an average of about 30 for several days, which were mostly associated with nightclubs in Seoul's Itaewon Entertainment District. According to figures released on Sunday by the Korea Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the national tally stood at 11,050 with 262 deaths. China on Sunday reported five new cases of the coronavirus. This came at a time when the commercial hub of Shanghai announced the restart of some classes and airlines revived flights. In Shanghai, students retained the option of continuing to follow classes online rather than facing virus testing and social distancing measures in schools. As in Beijing and other cities, Shanghai has already restarted classes for middle and high school students preparing for exams. The country where the global pandemic started in December last year has reported around 84,000 cases so far. More than 4,600 people have lost their lives to the virus. Now, let's move on to some other news from India and abroad. The Indian Meteorological Department on Sunday said that the deep depression over the Bay of Bengal, which has intensified into the cyclonic storm Amphan, is likely to bring moderate to heavy rainfall to coastal areas of Orisha and West Bengal in the next two days. The Meteorological Department has already issued a pre-cyclone alert for West Bengal and the coast of North Orisha. Orisha's Chief Minister, Naveen Patnayak, has set a target of zero casualty in his state as it is only tackling the coronavirus outbreak. Only a year ago, major parts of Orisha were devastated by cyclone funny. The state government has also urged the center to temporarily suspend the special trains for migrants passing through areas that fall in the direction of the cyclone. Fishermen in Orisha and West Bengal have been advised to not venture into the sea from Monday onwards and those who are out in the sea were asked to return to the coast by today. In Arunachal Pradesh's Longding district, a civilian was killed and another sustained injuries after Indian army personnel fired at them during a law and order situation on Saturday. The deceased 60-year-old Lamdan Lukham suffered bullet injury in the head and died on the spot. Another person, identified as Wangnai Wangsa, received bullet injury in his leg. Cheshta Yadav, the deputy commissioner of Longding, told the Indian Express that the troops of the 19th Sikh regiment stationed at Pumao village were negotiating with the locals about a recent incident. Villagers then started protesting against security forces by pelting stones. Longding superintendent of police, B.R. Reddy, said that the army officials fired in retaliation. The SP added that a judicial inquiry in the case has been initiated. However, the Indian Army in an official statement said that they had launched a search operation in the area after receiving intelligence inputs about the movement and activities of rebels belonging to the National Socialist Council of Nagaland. The statement also said that many soldiers of the Indian Army were also injured in the incident. Meanwhile, an interim relief of Rs 50,000 to the family of the deceased and Rs 25,000 to the family of the injured has been announced by the administration. China's ambassador to Israel, Du Wei, has been found dead in his apartment in a suburb north of Tel Aviv. Mr. Du, aged 57, was appointed ambassador recently in February. He previously served as envoy to Ukraine. The ambassador was married and had a son, but his family was yet to join him in Israel. An Israeli official told BBC News that the police had launched an investigation, but the initial findings suggested no foul play. Israel's Channel 12 TV, quoting unnamed medical sources, said the initial indications were that Mr. Du had died in his sleep of natural causes. In the United States, Democrats have launched an investigation into President Donald Trump's firing of the State Department's internal watchdog. According to reports, Inspector General Steve Linick was investigating Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, for suspected abuse of office. He was looking into allegations that Mr. Pompeo had improperly used staff members to run personal errands. But Lenick was sacked late on Friday after Mr. Trump said that Lenick no longer commanded his full confidence. The former prosecutor was appointed by Mr. Trump's predecessor, Barack Obama, to oversee spending and detect mismanagement at the State Department. Lenick's dismissal drew angry criticism from senior Democrats in Congress. They accused Mr. Trump of retaliating against public servants who wanted to hold his administration to account. Mr. Lennox was the third instance of an official investigating government misconduct being dismissed in recent weeks. Now, it's time for some homegrown stuff from newslaundry.com. Listeners, as the coronavirus pandemic is likely to continue for a long time, it is worrying for all of us to think how the crisis will impact the lives of Indians, especially its poor and marginalized communities, and how it will alter the country's political and socioeconomic structures. To talk about these issues, our senior editor, Mehraj D. Loone interviewed Shankar Raya, a journalist and author with wide expertise as a political economy analyst. Ayer explains that India's success in tiding over the crisis will depend on a number of variables, such as how the government will deal with debt, how it deals with income support, what kind of funding will help kickstart the economy, and what happens to global growth. To understand these important questions in detail, you can tune in to the interview on our website. However, this is behind the paywall and only subscribers can access the full content. So, if you are interested to watch it and want us to bring more of such interviews, go to our website and subscribe. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you are listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent.